here back in front of you, as well as uh, the verses will appear on the screen, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9. I also have another verse, Isaiah 40, verse 31. Is that one on there also, Andrew? Okay. And so we'll be looking at two verses uh, tonight for our Bible reading, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9, and also Isaiah 40 and verse 31. If you're able, those who are able, if you'll stand at this time for the reading of God's word, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9, and then moving over to Isaiah 40 and verse 31. The Bible says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Then look over to Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, Isaiah 40 Verse 31, the Bible says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Dear Lord, of the world, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into this. Dear Lord, I thank you for uh, this group of people that came out tonight to hear your word preached and to fellowship together and follow after you and to learn and desire to be closer to you. I pray you just bless each one of them for it. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for our pastor that we have to lead us. I pray you just bring him back safely to us this week. Thank you for all you've done for us. I thank you for your faithfulness. In your name I pray, amen. In 2004, the American League Championship Series, the Red Sox were playing the Yankees. And I don't think, I'm sure we don't have any. Do we have any Yankees fans here tonight? Any Yankees fans? Okay. Any Red Sox fans? Okay, so I'm not going to hurt anybody's feelings. Uh, but in 2004, the Yankees were playing the Red Sox. The Yankees led the series three games to none. And, of course, three games to none in a best-out-of-seven series is not, not a great uh, place to find yourself down in a series. They had just won game three, 13-5, and all hope looked to be pretty much lost for the Red Sox. Matter of fact, they were, the Yankees were leading in the bottom of the ninth inning, and uh, they were ahead by one run. And they had the greatest closer in the history of baseball coming out to the mound in Mariano Rivera. The game was at Yankee Stadium. The crowd was uh, just basically all standing as the place you could barely hear uh, yourself think. Mariano Rivera comes out of the dugout to pitch the bottom of the ninth, leading by one run, which with Mariano Rivera on the mound, he might as well have a 10-run lead. He retired the first batter with a three-up, three-down, uh, struck him out. And, of course, the crowd began to get even louder. But then uh, a Mullard uh, drew a walk for the Red Sox, and Bill Miller uh, was the next batter to bat. He showed bunt, and instead he held back, and the pinch runner at the time stole second base. On the very next pitch, Bill Miller, instead of showing Bunn again, swung away and hit a base hit to right field to score the tie and run. In the bottom of the 13th inning, Big Poppy, uh, as he was known, uh, Ortiz came up and hit a home run in the bottom of the 13th inning to give the Red Sox the victory, and the great Mariano Rivera had blown the lead. The Red Sox won that game, game four, to make the series three games to one. But then went on to do the unthinkable, 
and won the next three games in a row to win the series and went on to win the World Series eventually, giving them their first championship title. They asked Big Poppy, who was the captain hero of the series and the World Series, what was it that caused you to be able to win that game? And how did you do it? After being down three games to none, bottom of the ninth, one out, nobody on, and Myra Rivera on the mound, how, how, did, you, how did you do it? And Big Poppy said, we didn't change anything. We just continued to be the team we'd always been. We just continued to play like we'd always played. Uh, we knew that what got us there uh, hadn't fallen apart. Nothing had changed. So we just stayed the team that we always were. You know, this is the time of year where there's a lot of change taking place. Uh, it's always the time of year where kids go back to school. And yes, tomorrow at 7 o'clock, if you go to Grandview, uh, we'll be leaving Timberline at 7 o'clock in the morning. And all the kids in the room just could not be. They're just ecstatic. Isn't that right? Are you excited, Evan? Jack? Will you be there at 7 o'clock? You're going to be ready to go. I know Jack will be ready to go. And I mean, they'll be excited. But it's a time of year where there's a lot of change taking place in everyone's life. You're back to school. Uh, maybe, you, uh, maybe you work at a school or you have kids that go to school. Maybe you had a young person that you just took back to college. But there's always, it's always a time of, of a season of change. And it's during those times and seasons of change that I love verses like Malachi 3, verse 6. It says, for I am the Lord, I change not. Or Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ, maybe one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. You know, we live in a, a very uh, unstable world. There's always something happening. Uh, there's always another shooting. There's always uh, another economic crisis brewing. There's always uh, violence or a protest going on somewhere. Maybe it's not here in America. If it's not here, it's in another country. Uh, whatever it might be, there's always uh, a time of instability. We live in a very unstable world, but we have a very stable God. When I think of change, I think of times or seasons of change. I think of and believe it or not, I can think back this far, when I went to kindergarten for the first time. I remember I went to Trenton Hills Christian School, and uh, I remember that day leaving, and uh, I had a plaid, a black and red plaid, yes, metal uh, lunchbox, and I was so proud of that thing. I had my first ever lunchbox, and I remember walking out of the house with with my black and, and red plaid lunchbox, and I was excited until I got to school and saw all the other kids with their superhero lunchboxes. And I thought, why couldn't my mom and dad get me a Spider-Man or a Superman lunchbox? Instead, I have this just plaid black and red lunchbox. But uh, I can think back to when I was in kindergarten, and I can think of that season of my life when I went to school for the very first time. And I can think of my, my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Knowlton, who was, uh, we, uh, she was something else. She, uh, she was mean. She was just flat out mean. And uh, she would, uh, I remember all of us were just petrified of her. She had long, long black hair, and she had a, a wart on the side of her face. We all called her the Wicked Witch. And uh, literally, we, we thought she was, uh, and I remember just, I would, I would go home and I would cry because of my teacher. 
uh, she threatened to, to hit, hit us with this ruler that she always carried around with her around the classroom. She carried it everywhere she went. And she'd, she'd, she'd wave it in the air like it was some magical stick that if she waved it enough, all the kids would behave. But I remember uh, Mrs. Knowlton and my kindergarten year of school. Then I can think of when I went from kindergarten into uh, the big elementary school, Springbrook Elementary, my first day of real school, as we put it. Then after your first day of school, there's your, your graduate from high school, as some of our young people have just done recently. And then we get into our, maybe you go off to, to college. And I can think of people, Andrew, you go off Tuesday, right? Andrew goes to college Tuesday. But I can think of some people like Alex and the Resentis are on their way down to go to college, drop off Alex at college for the first time. And I'm sure Haley and Ashley are just, uh, have probably already called him several times, just double checking with him, making sure he's, I'm sure he's probably called you several times and, and realized everything that he needs that he forgot at home and uh, that he should have packed. But all of us, they have, uh, and I think of Josh Thompson going off to college and I think of Matt going back to college and other students and Justin who uh, I talked to the Hortons this morning Dropped him off at college, and, uh, and he's excited about this new season in his life. Maybe it's the first day of college. Maybe it's the first day of your wedding day, the day you were married. And uh, I can still picture it uh, in my mind, the, the, the day my wife and I were married. And we got in the car and went to drive to go to we, our honeymoon we spent at Mackinac Island in Mackinac Island, Michigan. I mean, if you, why, why spend your life anywhere, your honeymoon anywhere other than Michigan? And uh, so we went to Mackinac Island, Michigan. And I remember getting in the car, and man, it was, it was I had my hot bride with me, and we, were, uh, we, were, we started opening our envelopes and seeing all the money that people gave us, you know, hey, what are we going to be able to do on our honeymoon? And uh, I remember looking at all those cards and those envelopes, and, and uh, we were just excited to be married. And if you're here tonight, if you are married, think back to that day, that first day that you were married, and, and treat it like it's today. You know, how are you still in love today like you were the first day you were married? Do you still look at your wife and say, boy, I sure love you? And uh, do you still have that desire and can think of, man, that was a, that was a great day? And uh, I know I think that. And I know I can think back to that first day of marriage. Then I can think back to that first day, that season of change. Maybe the biggest change in our life was the day that we brought home little Caitlin. And uh, I remember uh, bringing home a baby from the hospital for the first time. I mean, when it was marriage, it was still two adults. Yes, there were two people living together under one roof. And when that happens, there's always a little bit of uh, confusion, put it that way. Uh, and, but I remember, uh, you're still two adults. But then we brought home a third, our little baby girl. And suddenly, everything in life changed. I mean, at 2 o'clock in the morning, oh, I'm looking back, I'm sorry. Caleb and Sarah, just you got this to look forward to. But uh, I remember, uh, just think about this, I remember at, at 1 o'clock in the morning, Caitlin just screaming because she wanted to eat. And uh, I remember the times that she'd wake up and she'd have a dirty diaper and uh, I would change the dirty diaper and I'd be thinking, man, I, it's, it's late. It's in the middle of the night. Why does this baby have a dirty diaper? And, uh, and all those fun, enjoyable things. The, uh, there was one time I had my daughter with me and we, we went to, uh, she was just, uh, I don't know, she was probably six months or so. 
And uh, I had her, and I was holding her. I was kind of, you know, I was taking her up to the nursery, and, and I was, I was a, little, a little bit of a hurry, but I had my suit on, and I'm, I'm holding Caitlin, and of course I'm thinking, you know, hey, I'm, I got my pretty little daughter here with me, and, and she was just as, as quiet as can be, not, making, not screaming or nothing, and I'm like, hey, man, I'm dad of the year. Look at this pretty girl here with me. I got everything under control. Uh, she's just as great of an angel as, as you can ever imagine. I bet you wish you had a baby like this as the mom and dad walk up and their baby's screaming and, and clawing on them and everything because they don't want to be left at the nursery. My daughter's just, you know, cooing and, you know, everything else, and, and everything's great. And I remember I'm getting ready. I check her in at the nursery, sign her name in, and I, I, I lift her up to give her a kiss on the cheek. And all of a sudden, it's like she said, guess what, Dad? I got a surprise for you. And uh, as soon as I went to give her a kiss on the cheek, she threw up everything she had eaten uh, that morning. I mean, all over me and white puke just everywhere down my blue suit. And, uh, and, and then as soon as she threw up, she didn't even cry. She throws up all over me and then just kind of starts to, you know, kind of make this little laughing like, you know, funny, like, ha-ha, look what I did to you sound. And I couldn't believe it. I thought, man, what a different change in my life. I got this baby. That was a season of change. Then another season of change is when we brought home the second child. Because then you got child one and child two saying, hey, that's my toy and that's my toy. And, of course, you have that season of change. Then there's the season of change, which we haven't had to experience yet. But when your child goes off to college and uh, have to watch them uh, leave home for the first time, and how difficult I'm sure that must be. There's a season of change that will come where you'll retire. You'll leave that job that you worked at for many years for the last time, and you'll be retired, or, uh, and you'll get to, you'll get to go home and, and uh, live in bliss with, uh, in retirement. And you'll be retired. Then there'll be that season of change where Unfortunately, the time comes where maybe a spouse dies and you find yourself all alone. I can't imagine what that must be like, but I've known many people that are like that. My mom is one. And how difficult that season of change has to be in their life. All these different times in our life where life is changing or life is unstable or unsteady, whether it's uh, the first day of school, if you're getting ready to go to the first day of school, or it's the first day of big school, or the first day of college, or uh, the day you get married, or the day you bring home that little baby, and the day that you uh, retire, the day that a spouse dies or tragedy happens. All those different things, all those different seasons of change, change is happening, but yet we have one constant in our life, and that's that we have a father that does not change. I remember when I went off to college uh, for the first time and I was in my dorm room and uh, just kind of feeling sorry for myself. And uh, I was really feeling sorry for myself based on the roommates that I had. And uh, I could not believe the, the first roommate, I'm not sure if I've ever told this, I'm, I don't know why I would have, but maybe I did. The first roommate I, I ever had, uh, one time I walked in his room and he was laying there in a refrigerator. He had a refrigerator sitting on the ground. And uh, when I walked in, he sat up, he banged his head on the top of the refrigerator, and a fan fell on top of his head. And I asked him what he was doing. He said it was his makeshift air conditioner. And uh, that was my, it broke his glasses. And uh, that was my first roommate. And it only went downhill from there. And uh, 
and, and, I, I, you know, and so the whole semester long, I'm dealing with this really, really interesting roommate. Well, he probably thought the same thing about me. But I remember going through, and I was sitting there one day after a couple weeks of college and going through a huge season of change in my life. And I remember I went down and used the payphone. Back then, there were no cell phones. Yeah, that dates me quite a bit. But when I first came to college as a freshman in 1993, uh, very few people had a cell phone. I used a payphone, and I called my parents. I called my, my, uh, my mom and dad. My mom picked up the phone, and I began to give her this sob story about not crying, but I was just, you know, complaining about this and that, my roommates and my job and classes and, and all these different things and how much I couldn't stand it. Couldn't, you know, it was just, I just didn't like it. I wanted to, you know, hey, maybe I should just, maybe college isn't for me. I should just come home. And, of course, my mom, being the way she was, consoled me. I'll send you some chocolate chip cookies. I'll send you a care package or whatever it might be. And uh, she was kind of tried to, tried to help me a little bit. And she said, hey, well, why don't you talk to your dad? I said, okay. So she was with dad on the phone. And uh, I began to talk to my dad. And I thought, you know what, it worked for my mom. She's sending me cookies. Maybe if it, uh, it worked for my dad, he'll send me some money. And uh, so I start telling my dad the same story, going through the same sob story about how woe is me, you know, I'm in this season of life and I can't stand it. I have terrible roommates. I haven't met any girls yet and uh, they don't know how great I am. And, uh, and I remember thinking, oh, how man, woe is me. And I remember my dad, he didn't say, hey, you know what, I'll send you some money. Instead, he said, are you done yet? And uh, I remember, I, I, you know, I, he hadn't really said anything. I was just talking and talking and talking and talking, you know. And finally, I stopped for a minute, and he said, are you done yet? And I said, what do you mean, are you done yet? He said, are you, are you done? I mean, do I have to listen to any more of this? And, and I thought to myself, well, that's, do you realize I'm your son? I'm your only son, and you're talking to me that way. And uh, what do you mean? Have some sympathy for me here. And I remember he looked at me, or not looked at me, but he talked to me over the phone, and he said, here's what you need to do. He said, I can tell you what your problem is. He said, here's three things that you need to do, and if you do these three things, it'll help you greatly. Now, my dad was, if you knew my father, which you did not, he was not a really, he was a very much a, a quiet person, didn't say a whole lot. Uh, my mom did, uh, did that for him. Uh, she was very much an extrovert. He was very much an introvert. And uh, so for my dad to say, I'm going to give you some advice, he wasn't that, he rarely often just said, I'm going to give you some advice, unless you asked him for it. He said, I'm going to give you some advice. He said, I'm going to give you three things. He said, and if you do these three things, it'll help you greatly. And I'm going to give you those three things tonight that my dad gave me because they were a great help to me, not just in college, but they've been a great help to me when I got married. When I brought home our little throw-up-all-over-your-suit baby, thank you, Caitlin. And he was, uh, these are things that have helped me when I have had different big changes in my life. Number one, he said, you need to literally, and these, first of all, you need to organize your life. He said, organize your life. You might be here tonight and you might say, man, it's just been, our kids are getting ready to go to school or we're getting ready to have a baby, and uh, I, I, man, it's just, it's very unstable. We're getting ready to move to go to uh, a different uh, state in Missouri or whatever it might be, and uh, just very, anytime that there's going to be a lot of change, there's always a lot of angst and a lot of 
uh, fear, a little bit of fear begins to set in. My dad said, here's what you need to do. First of all, what you need to do is you need to organize your life, literally organize your life. He said, live by a schedule, Andy. It sounds to me like all you're doing is just whatever comes your way, that's what you do. I do this, I go to class, but then in the afternoon I just do this and that, and whatever happens, happens. He said, live by a schedule. You know, in the Bible, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it tells us many things in the Bible that there's a time for different things. God is a person who is a very structured person. He's a very structured God. And our life needs to be a structured life. It's easy sometimes to get into the change. Tomorrow you're going to have school. And I know my wife and I, uh, one of the biggest, just, just getting into the, the, the routine of going off to school. And I remember the mornings of going to school were always just chaos uh, for the girls, trying to get two little girls ready and uh, to do their hair and uh, get their dress and everything else. It was always just, just constant, you know, running around, aggravation. Until we finally decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do everything the morning, the night before. And so we're going to set out their clothes the night before. We're not going to let them pick on the morning of school what they're going to wear. Because to ask a girl what she's going to wear is alone a half-hour process. So we're going to check. We're going to put all their stuff out the night before. And we're going to set out their shoes and their clothes, what they're going to wear the night before. We're going to set out their lunch. We're going to make their lunch the night before. We're going to do all these different things the night before rather than sitting around watching TV and uh, doing whatever the night before. And then the, the morning of, it's just craziness. Live by a schedule. Your schedule, I put down here, your schedule can be your boss. If you're a parent tonight, you're getting ready for your kids to go to school or uh, they're going to go to school here another week or so and, and, and everything changes about your year once the school gets going. It's easy sometimes to feel like everything is it's, it's falling apart. Instead, just live by a schedule, no matter what season of life you're in. If your schedule says to get up at a certain time and to read your Bible and spend time with God, then get up at a certain time and sit in a certain place and read your Bible, even though you just got married. You know, those are two of the biggest, I think, I always would tell young people, the two hardest times in my life to not backslide, number, number one, by far, hands down, the easiest time to backslide was when I became a Bible college student. My, my first year of Bible college was the easiest, the hardest time to not backslide and fall away from God. You say, how can you do that in a Bible college? Uh, it's very easy. Once you've been there, you understand it. Uh, and I remember uh, my first year in the Bible college, there were several days that went by where it was, hey, my textbook is fine, I go to Bible class, I go to chapel, I do that, and everything's fine, but I began to not have my time with the Lord. And I remember I came home from work one day, and my roommate had put a note on my bed, and the note that it said was, don't do it. And I just looked at the note, and I said, don't do it. I mean, what in the world, this guy's, remember the guy hit his head in the thing? Um, I said, this is crazy. And I, I threw that down. I thought, I don't know, this is weird. The next day I came home from work, and there that note was again. Hey, Andy, don't do it. And after a couple days, I finally took the note, because our paths didn't cross all the time, and I took the note, and I said, hey, man, what's the deal with the don't do it? He said, don't do it. Don't leave God out of your life. I've noticed you haven't been reading your Bible at the place you used to read it at every morning. It's easy when you get into the busyness in the change in season in your life, 
whether it's going off to college, uh, whether it's getting married, whether it's the baby comes into your life and suddenly, well, man, how can I spend time with the Lord when I have this baby to take care of or my, everything in my life and our schedule has changed? Live by a schedule. If your schedule says to do it, let your schedule be your boss and follow after it as much as possible. Uh, if your schedule says to get up on Sunday morning and come to church, get up on Sunday morning and come to church. You say, but I lost my spouse. Get up on Sunday morning and come to church. You say, but I lost, my, I lost my job. I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. People know I lost my job. They're going to ask me about it. I don't want to deal with it. If your schedule says get up on Sunday morning, and it should, and come to church, then get up on Sunday morning and come to church. You say, but man, it's, it would be so much more comforting if I just stayed at home, laid on my recliner, took a nap, and just tried to pretend that it all didn't happen and it all went away. And that's how so many of us are. That's how often it's sometimes you get to the point where you just want to say, hey, if I just don't think about it, it won't exist. Or if I can just zone it out enough, watch enough TV, then I won't have to realize that I have this problem I'm dealing with or this change in my life. When really what God wants us to do is draw closer to him because remember these verses we read, it's his strength that can get us through the difficult times. It's his stability that can help us get through those unstable times in our life or in this unstable world. My dad said, Andy, number one, you need to live by a schedule. He said, number two, you need to obey God in every area of your life. Obey God in every area of your life. He made a, a, a strong statement to me. He said, Andy, right now you're off and you're alone on your own for the first time. Whether it's at college or whether you're going through a season of change in your life, He said it's in the unstable times or the times when life is changing that the devil will try to input and come into your life more than ever. It's at the weakest points in your life that the devil will try to attack. It's at the weakest point in our life that the devil will try to jump in and say, hey, do you really need church? Do you really need God? Obey God in every area of your life. Psalm 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When you're going through a time of change in your life, let God's word and God direct and guide you. You might say, man, I don't even, I've never been down this road before. I've never had a little baby that brought home from the hospital that threw up all over my blue suit. I've never had, uh, I've never been married before and now I am. I've never been retired. I've never had to deal with the loss of a loved one. But there is a person who knows and can give us the guidance that all of us need for whatever area of life you're changing, you're having change in your life. You just have to follow after him. Next I put down, or my dad told me, number three, observe the power of God and the strength that he can give. Observe the power of God in your world. It's easy sometimes to think, hey, I can do this on my own. I can make it on my own. I'm strong enough. I can have enough strength. If I just, take the, if I just read, uh, read a blog post from a friend, it'll give me the encouragement and strength. If I just could get, but there's one person that could give us strength. Exodus 15.2 says, the Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. 2 Samuel 22.33 says, God is my strength and power, and he maketh my way perfect. 
First Chronicles 16.11 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. Psalm 18.1 and 2 says, I will love Thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom will I trust. Think about that. He is my deliverer, my strength. Whatever problem you're going through today, whatever change in your life you're going through today, whatever unstable time you're dealing with today, God is your fortress. He's your strength. So many times we just think about, hey, God, he's just, he's somewhere out there. And he's, you know, he's there and, and I know he's there, but we don't really bring him to us. We don't really call out to him and say, hey, I need your strength today. It's easy sometimes when life's going great to leave God out. But it's when life's going great that we need God the most. Because we don't want to come to the point where I know I've been there, where I've kind of left God out when things are going great. And then when things get bad, I go back to God and say, hey, 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 uh, hey, remember me? Um, I know I've kind of been just making it on my own lately, but uh, I got this problem. And can you listen to me now? You know, if my daughters need something, they'll come to me and they'll say, hey, Daddy, can I please have whatever? Well, if they haven't talked to me much lately and haven't really communicated with me much lately, I might be a little more prone to say, no, no, not today. But if my daughter walks up, walks up to me uh, just out of the blue and gives me a hug, like she does sometimes, and says, hey, can I have a hug? And I give her a hug. Hey, I just wanted to say I love you, Daddy. Okay, and what do you want? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. I just wanted a hug. Now, it might be that she's giving me that hug because she already has a plan that in three days she's going to ask me for a new dress, but... I don't know. I'm a glutton, I guess. But have you walked up to God lately and said, hey, can I, just have, can I just have a hug? Can I just spend a few moments with you today? Or do we wait until we have to say, hey, I, man, please, I got to have you today. I, man, my life's falling apart. I like to think that we're close enough to God on a daily basis that even the routine is hey, you know, God, can I talk to you for a few minutes? Oh, no, I don't. I don't. uh, There's no problem. There's no loss of a job. There's no bad news about cancer. There's no child going through a difficult situation. I just want to tell you how much I love you. How often we, myself included, fall into the category of, well, God's just a genie that we go to whenever we need to get an answer or something fixed. God's our strength. I'm glad that I have a God who is always there. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. God's always there for us. He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If you're going through a difficult time or you're going through a, maybe not even a difficult time, but a season of change in your life and you just feel like, oh man, my world's crazy. Live by a schedule. Follow after God. Obey Him in every area of your life. 
and then realize and observe the power of God that he has. He's always there. He's your fortress. He's your strength. He can help you through any season of life. I'm glad we have a God that didn't just die and stay in the grave. I'm glad he's not just some little statue that we pray to. I'm glad we have a God that hears every word we say, that's there for us for every time we need him, and always understands and controls everything in our life and and knows what we're going through and knows what we need. All we have to do is just go and ask him and talk to him about it.